The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert, all thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel, and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. I have uh, biologist Matt Stevens chatting with me today. Matt is the Environment Officer for Transport New South Wales in the Biodiversity Offset Team. Matt, thanks very much for coming on the show. G'day, Romy. Nice to meet you. Yes, virtually. You too. Um, Cool. So recently some good news fell into my my hands, which I was very excited about in what seems like a world full of constant bad news at the moment. And the New South Wales government has committed some money into um, creating hollows for homeless Australian fauna. And this is important because millions of habitats were ruined um, in the Black Summer bushfires. But before we get into that and your involvement in that, could you give our listeners a, b- a brief backgrounding on your work in conservation? Yes, yeah, so I've been working in conservation for many years now. Um, my last or latest role is with um, Transport for New South Wales. And I'm involved in what's called the Biodiversity Offset Team. So we'll Transport um, and, um, recognises that obviously there's impacts from the construction of road um, and we look to offset those impacts. So that means trying to find... Um, vegetation and habitats for uh, threatened species that we can protect um, around the road. And so what we've done is we've tried to find sites that were within about 30 kilometres of the highway and, you know, we've gone through a, a, a quite a detailed selection process um, to select about 10,000 hectares of land that we're helping either private landowners with conservation or we're um, buying parcels of land and transferring it to national parks to fill in gaps in the park system, things like that. So, yes, it's a a fantastic role, and it's allowed me a chance to see many, many um, properties and and lots and lots of bushland out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I noticed on almost every property was the lack of tree hollows. And it really got me thinking um, about, uh, you know, how these landscapes have been uh, modified in the past and what potential ways there are to improve the situation for some of the wildlife that inhabit the forest there. Awesome. And what is the situation at the moment? There's obviously some threats to these little houses yeah, look, so absolutely. Um, everyone was obviously devastated by the fires that swept through so much of the state in 2019-20. And I was um, working around Grafton at the time and uh, there's a couple of properties there that I have managed for, for a number of years and just stepping into the forest the day after the fire and seeing trees that were smouldering mm. or huge, beautiful trees that had fallen over that once provided homes for a lot that I knew of, so it was a, a devastating thing to see. Yeah, there's there's also lots of other ways that trees are, are lost in the landscape, and one thing about hollows and tree hollows in particular is that they're not um, they don't develop very fast. So it can take between seventy and one hundred and twenty years for a hollow to start forming in a tree that's suitable for wildlife to use. So any chance to try and um, you know, augment those hollows in the in the landscape. I think is a fantastic way to go to try and help protect wildlife. 
Absolutely. And there's, I'm sure you know, a number of different species um, and animals that that live in hollows. Could you tell, tell me about those? Yeah, well, it's an amazing thing to think that one in six of our um, non-marine birds, so that's anything like a parrot, uh, almost all parrots, in fact, I think it's 95% or something like that, uh, owls, kookaburras, uh, night jars, there's just so many birds. There's mm. about 40% of our non-marine mammals use hollows, which, again, is a phenomenal number. Um, and then a quarter of the reptiles we have, um, they use them as well. And each of these species has a role to play in the functioning of an ecosystem. So when we lose those species, uh, we lose just you know a little bit more of, of, um, of an ecosystem and, and how it operates. And why are the hollows so important? What do the animals use them for? The hollows are super important. The, the, the species that use them use them for a few reasons. So some species nest in them, and uh, that's not just birds nesting. It's also uh, things like gliders that set up hollow um, or, or little homes in hollows. So they'll drag nesting material in and make themselves a nice, nice little leaf bed or something like that. Um, and so they use them for nesting or roosting. So for nocturnal species, they're really looking for some place to hide away during the day to avoid predators. And, of course, that's the last thing is for species to try and avoid predators. So um, they tr- they've, there's specific um, requirements that each species has. Um, and I think that's what... The, uh, the, when I developed the tool, it, it was done with that in mind, trying to work out how to devise a way to recreate a natural hollow um, that meets all the needs of the wildlife that would use them. Mm. And so you have invented a special tool called the hollow hog. Um, can you tell me about this tool and, and the processes that you went through to create the the right tool for this? Yes, sure can. So uh, about two years ago, so, well, look, I, I've been thinking about this for about 10 years, I suppose. I've installed nest boxes at my, on my property. I've done all sorts of things over the years. But um, about two to two and a half years ago, I um, hit on the idea of developing the hollow hog. And it kind of came about by me sitting here in my office looking out at a gum tree that um, every day a pair of lorikeets um, would turn up at, you know, for months on end investigating every single little nook and cranny on the tree, <laughs> trying to find whether there's a hollow that they could nest in. And what they, what I watched them do was they found a couple of old branch stubs and they'd start pecking away at the entrance to that. And they were just slowly but surely pulling small bits of rotten wood out of the centre of the hollow. And, you know, it, it, they were trying it day on day and I was thinking, wow, you know, that's a slow process. Mm. And so that got me investigating. So then I thought, well, okay, how can I try and work out a way to um, make this process happen? Is there a way to do it? So I started investigating, looking online, reading um, scientific papers. And from what I could see, there wasn't, which kind of surprised me. But um, anyway, I thought, well... I reckon I can have a go at this. So I, um, I tried firstly heading off to the hardware store and getting some um, bits and pieces to put them together, but that didn't quite pan out. So I eventually ended up um, approaching a, a specialist engineering firm and um, after a little bit of 
convincing that, that um, it was, you know, not just a crazy idea. They, <laughs> I set about working with them and we we spent about two years then or one and a half years then um, perfecting the tool. So wow. every every single part is custom made um, and fits together to give a like a tool that's fast and safe mm. to use. Um, so what it looks like, it's a... It looks a bit like a pole saw that you would attach to a grinder, but the head of the pole saw is not what you imagine. It's more a it's it's got a precision um, high um, strength cutting blades and a, a spinning head that spins a bit like a, a router, um, but at like really really high speeds. Um, and that was a tricky bit to try and get something like that to work on a long. Um, a, a long extension pole was really tricky because the geometry had to be just right um, for it all to work. Anyway, um, the trial and error worked and uh, we got there and then, gosh, I, I, I can't tell you how many hours I spent after that. It was literally every spare minute I've had for the last two years has been doing this so yeah it's fantastic that it's finally mm. out there and we're carving hollow well congratulations it's a it's Thank a huge you. achievement and a lot of time and energy spent on something that's obviously so close to your heart and such a wonderful yeah. tool and yeah. did you have to think a little bit about the tree as well i'm sure obviously you're a tree lover but yeah. what what are the implications for the trees so look i'm a definite tree hugger um, <laughs> i get accused of that when i'm out in the bush with friends um Look, the the tree itself, so if we think about it's looking through the landscape, so studies, for example, in the Amazon have shown that up to 40% of trees have got internal cavities. And in Australia, it's very similar. We've got loads of trees with internal cavities, but often those internal cavities might be a, a thin little ribbon running up the centre of the tree where, say, termites have, have, um, have removed the wood. Um, or where there's been a, a split maybe from a, um, a storm event or something like that and rots got into the tree. And so it was something that was at the top of my mind, obviously, to make sure that whatever I did, I wasn't going to cause these catastrophic mm. um you know, loss of trees. So I, I certainly thought long and hard about it. And by by using the process I use, it minimises the amount of damage done to the tree. So everyone's seen a tree um, uh, stump or a log and you've seen the growth rings. Well, all of the, uh, the... The only part of the tree that's alive is literally the outer casing. So just... Mm. There's a really thin layer of cells called the cambium. And that's where the tree lives. Um, so beyond that, inside that, the, the rest of the wood's dead. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's where hollows form, and that's why we can have hollow trees that are still alive and happily growing away. So I've had to be really careful and making sure the tool could you know, carve these really um, uh, deep holes that would go right into the centre of the tree but not then impact the surrounding living tissue or the high strength tissue of the tree, which is all the wood, you know, towards the outer side of the trunk or the limb. Mm. Wow, and I, I yeah. can um, I can sort of understand that. I'll tell you a little story. Why my family have a property um, that we when we bought it, it was just. 20 acres of pine forest and over the years they um, turned it into a nicer, neater, more and planted natives yep. and all the, all sorts. And yep. um, then they 
leased it and moved to Tasmania for seven years. And when they came back to check on it, they were devastated because the la- the people that had rented it had horses who had ringbarked all of the trees that had been growing over the last 10 years that were, you know, starting to develop and were beautiful trees. It spent a lot of time and my parents love the garden. And um, the horses, they do that thing where they just eat enough around the outside of the tree to kill it. Exactly right. And that's and that shows, you know, it's yeah. just that outer layer that, that's the bit that's living. The um, interesting things, aren't they? Yeah. Look, so, so for me, the beauty of, of the tool and the method is that I'm working with tree biology, and I, I, you know, I'm definitely working with arborists mm. in this in this space. I wouldn't be advocating that someone heads out and you know carves a hollow into a limb directly over their house or anything. I think that'd be probably unwise at this stage mm. of the game. But but so working with the trees biology, but also the animals. So knowing what animals are after in a hollow. So what they want is, as far as we know, and and there's so much more to learn in this space, but. What they're after is a hollow where um, they can just squeeze their body into, so the smaller size they can possibly manage to squeeze through. It's not all species will do that, like brush tails will go into anything, possums will go into anything, but, but for lots of animals that's critical just to, so that they're safe from predators. Mm-hmm. And then they want a cavity that's inside that's going to be big enough for them and maybe they're young or, or you know, if they're sitting on a nest, the eggs. Um, and then the the other thing about tree hollows that's very different to nest boxes, for example, is that the thermal properties of the tree hollow stay fairly stable. Um, so on really, really hot days, often wildlife will retreat into hollows and they'll stay there in the, the relative cool of the uh, of the, the inside of the tree. So the water moving up and down between the leaves um, and, and the roots... It acts a bit like, uh, you know, natural air conditioning for the for the hollow itself. And then in uh, winter time, when it's absolutely freezing outside, there's a whole range of fauna that will retreat into hollows, and they'll spend um, a bit of time in what's called a torpor, where they 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 pretty much slow down their body weight and and they're waiting for it to warm up again. Wow, and I suppose it's the same as well for just wild weather and storms i always think about all the little animals that can barely hold themselves up you know absolutely yeah Yeah. like absolutely and even bushfires so yeah animals will try and retreat if they can into a hollow so Mm -hmm. those that uh, are nocturnal if it's a day fire they'd be already in there and they'd be trying to hunker down as, as low as they can away from any flames or smoke so look they're a really really important part of the landscape Absolutely. And so I suppose another question we were talking about before a little bit was if people wanted to make their own hollows, obviously the advice is that you wouldn't, I assume people that would want to make hollows wouldn't just be randomly interested in it. You know, they'd come from hopefully a background where they understand fauna and flora. Um, That's right. But if, so you, the tools that you've made, What do you expect to be able to do with it? Would you be selling them? Can people look into making their own hollows? Yeah, so look, I definitely sell the tools. I've got them for sale on my website, which is um, fantastic. It's only recently up and running, and... uh, but, but um, happy to sell the tools to people, but I also offer training um, mm-hmm. as well. And there's, there's groups like Landcare and others are looking to acquire the tools, um, and they'll be running training days for their arborists. 
And look, I, I think in the early phases, I'd be really trying to stick with arborists and others with specific knowledge on tree mechanics and things like that mm. because it's going to be critical, I think, just to, to start, you know, in a fairly logical um, manner so that we get some really good long-term outcomes out of this. Um, but, you know, in the future and where people have got larger properties where trees are way out in the middle of nowhere type of thing, you know, those those sites are fantastic and that's kind of where we'll be targeting, um, you know, in this initial phase. Awesome. Well, what's your website? So if people... Um well, specialised uh, people are listening. Yeah. You can plug it. Go for it. Yeah, thank you. So it's www.hollowhog, all one word. So H-O-L-L-O-W, hog, H-O-G, and then .com.au. Fantastic. Well, yeah. hopefully some of the local um, land care, I know you're. I know they're going to be using some of your equipment up in Glen Innes in the New England region where I am to, to build some hollows. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and hopefully once that gets off, they can come a little closer down to some of the areas that we're in here and move around yeah. for you. Yeah, look, I was in contact with someone the other day and we're looking at doing a greater glider project up that way So, and looking to potentially involve the Indigenous um, community mm. on the land. So if we can do that, it'll be fantastic. Um, you know, we've got something like 24 billion trees in Australia alone. So... If even just a small proportion of those are able to um, have a few hollows introduced, well, it's a pretty exciting thing to think what fauna will be able to inhabit them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for some insights into this uh, in- interesting niche little um, no sweet story for our listeners to, to have one, while they're locked down thinking about the end of the world. We'll think <laughs> about new homes for animals. Great. Thanks, Bromley. Thanks very much, Matt, and good, good luck with everything. Thanks for your time Great. today. Okay, thank you. Talk to you later. Bye.